Network is proud to present Beer Radio that turns ordinary homebrew into award-winning beer. The Jameel Show. And now, your hosts, Jameel Zaynashef and John Plisse. Good evening, my brewing brothers and sisters. Woo-hoo. My name is John Police. I'm here with my co-host. Jamel Zanisha. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Wow. Hey. A few pints of beer, we're just That's right. McDowell comes in <laughs> and felt <laughs> the second show all through the shitter. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh my god, Mike, what have you done to us? The professionalism that we show yeah. in this you know, that, that this show has. Yeah. The high critical acclaim very from high all the uh all the reviewers. Yeah. Gone. Gone. Mike comes in with a little cooler of beer and <laughs> shit hits the fan with none. <laughs> screws it up and <laughs> And so many pints. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so many, so many, so many I- actions of the opener. Said IPA, man. Whew. Yeah, that's good. And uh, Chet's got this uh, double IPA that he brewed. That's uh, you're not actually, driving home, are you? I, I'll tell you, this is pretty good. This is uh, crisp and uh, dry, and uh, you know, really hoppy. <laughs> and it's clean. Yeah, you know, it's very clean. You know, clean and crisp and dry. That that actually goes pretty darn good. And that means you can drink a lot of it. Exactly. Hmm. And it's probably what well done, twelve percent alcohol, uh, three hundred IBUs. All right. <laughs> That's my producer, man. Yeah, Chad, yeah. the producer. There we go. Good work. <laughs> this has turned into like a real, real uh, production here with all the people in the studio. Yeah. And, uh, all this, uh, you nervous? Huh? Nervous? Me? No. Never. I never yeah, seen. What do nervous. I care? Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't know any of these people. Yeah. Not like yeah. I would ever meet them at a, like a conference or something. Not, yeah, if they would ever show up. Oh right. yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And actually, I'll tell you, that's that's that was one of the things I wanted to talk about the NHC. So, yeah. Okay. I tell you, one of the the most incredible things, all you folks who came out and uh, and uh, said hi at the at the National Homebrewers Conference in Denver. That was really wonderful, and I wish John could have been there to, you know, uh, shine your shoes, the, get all, yeah, carry my bag, <laughs> and you know, get all the kudos as well, you know, or at least hear me getting the kudos, so uh, you know, he could get some drippings, uh, you know, yeah, as the number two guy, right. <laughs> but you know, uh, a, a lot of people going, yeah, oh, I'm sorry to bother you, you know, it's like, no, don't worry at all, no bother, you know, how many times in your life? Do you have people, you know, coming up to you for anything and saying, "Hey, thank you very much. You know, love what you're doing. You know, it's wonderful. Yeah, you know, yeah. never, never be, uh, you know, hesitant to to do that because you know I I appreciate the heck out of that. That is really wonderful. Uh, it's no trouble at all, and I, I it made my whole week. I even called my wife and I said, you know, how special all these these listeners are. They come up and you know they make a special point of saying hi and you know. Made me feel just like top of the world. Well, you're just helping them explore their brewing capacity yeah, yeah. And, and become I, brewers and do yeah. their own thing, and you're well, giving you know, them the well, light. And we both are, my buddy. Oh, everybody is. I think everybody. Well, every not home just, brewer, not just right. You know, look, looks he's like, even shaking his head. No, looks like Tarzan brews like Jane. You know. <laughs> 
True that. I, I think, I think uh, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's really nice. Well, I was really touched, and I, I, it was just, I think, you know, I'm absolutely not worthy of all the... The, the very kind things that everybody said. Well, it's uh, good karma, and, and I think you like to make great beer, and you like to share that with others, and I think that's the whole point. I mean, well, and, you know, uh, some of the listeners, they come up and say, hey, you know, try this. Would you mind trying this? You know, mm-hmm. I brewed, you know, the brewed, you know, recipe from your show. Yeah. I brewed this, I brewed that. Good stuff. Yeah. You know, the brewed, you know, really good beer. Cool. Um, at worst, I can say is it may not be the greatest beer in the world, mm-hmm. but it's far better than probably ninety percent to ninety five percent of all the home brewers that are brewing. You know, right. people listen to the show are brewing some damn fine beer, and it's better than a lot of the commercial beers you can pick up as well. I'm very surprised. Uh, people having me taste some really excellent stuff. I tasted a Rogan beer from our Rogan beer show. Guy uh, had me taste. I'm not sure if he's the one who won third place with the Rogan beer or not. <laughs> but uh, one guy, he was saying he listened to the show, fermented his Rogan beer at 62 degrees, and he did place oh, cool. third. And I'm not sure if the same guy that had me taste the Rogan beer, but that was a good Rogan beer awesome. too. I wouldn't be surprised if he nice. if he did win. <laughs> And uh, Jesse, he had three beers. He had a mild uh, based on the show. He had. Uh, uh, Denny's Rye IPA, and he had, uh, oh gosh, I can't recall one other one. Um, this is some but anyway, it was probably the best one, and I can't recall what. <laughs> and this is the guy you met there the first time, Jesse? Is a home no, I've met him a couple, uh, oh. at least twice now. Okay. Uh, I think that's the second time I met him. I think he was in Orlando as well. Nice. Uh, I think he goes by one eye in the, uh, the forums. Really nice guy. Awesome. Real mellow, real quiet, just, you know, into yeah. his brewing. Yeah. And brews some just. Great beer already. Awesome. And uh, had me taste those, and uh, we walked around and found Denny so he could uh, uh, have Denny try his, his own uh, Denny's uh, <laughs> Rye IPA. Yeah. How'd that go over? Oh, Denny started talking about, yeah. well, you know, you need you the CL50 yeast. You can't right. use uh, 001. And I thought it was the best Denny's Rye IPA That's ever awesome. had. Yeah. I, thought that, I thought that, you know, and JP, uh, he should have tried that because he, he's... Uh, He's tried some before and hasn't been pleased, and I think that one was actually really good. Hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, Jesse's making some great beer there. I bet you from Je- Jesse's standpoint, I mean, just going to Nationals alone, but just to have his the opportunity to share his beer with you was probably worth it, you know, just the, the feedback eh, alone. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I'm, I'm I think there are other people I mean, who can give him I would want your good, feedback good over feedback. anybody else. I mean, you know. Well, that's very nice of you to yeah. say. But, uh, you know... <clears throat> My uh, my thing about NHC this year was that you guys weren't there. You know, you, uh, John, and Mike, you weren't there, and uh, Justin was off, like, wanking in the motorhome or something. He was working. Know. I never saw him. <laughs> drinking your Avery. <laughs> drinking, drinking, up, drinking up the beer in the motorhome. Yeah. But uh, fantastic conference. Absolutely fantastic. Great Sound people. Everyone, uh, you know... I, I just loved it, and I I cannot get Denver. enough of that. Yeah, and well, and yeah, back, I, I don't care yard. where I don't care where it is now. Right. Okay, you know I am so hooked on that conference. Yeah, and again, GABF is nice, and you should go there once. But once, once is enough. Well, and you know, well, yeah, yeah, I don't know that I would go there a whole bunch of times. Yeah. You know, it's it's mainly drinking, and you get to chat with some people. But um, you know, NHC every year it's better and better and better because you run into the same people each year. Not not always the same people, but there will be a, a few people there you'll make some friend f- friendships with, yep. you know, one year. 
And then you go there the next year. And there they are. Yep. And you kind of hook up again together yeah. and, you know. Party and you, again. Yeah, yeah. And you have a great time. Yeah. And you see them the third year. And it's just like, wow. Oh, you know, yeah. you're hugging. It's like, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like a family reunion. All right. And uh, the beers are great. And you're going to get, uh, you know, I, I, I love GABF. And if, if you can afford both, I'd go to both. But if you can only afford one, you got to go to the NHC. Yeah. Because the variety of beers is going to be much more creative. There's yeah. going to be stuff there that nobody ever would consider doing commercially. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they they have limits on what they can do sure. commercially. Sure. And, you know, it's a, a very tough thing right. to make a go of it. But homebrewers don't have that limitation. They can do wild stuff, and you're going to taste some of that. And, and it's going to be wild. done well. Yeah. It's not going to be wild, done crappy. It's going to be wild, done well. Right. There's lots of, you know, mainstream beers done well. And uh, the, the conferences, and again, you know, hanging out with people, hospitality suite, you know, mm-hmm. uh, pub crawls. You, you just can't go wrong well, with Well, you that. get the personability, I mean, going on in NHC. Yeah. Oh. GABF is just drunken mayhem the whole time, pretty much. It's just not a, it's not a bad thing. Well, you, so you saw me and John Palmer walking around yeah. last yeah. year. Yeah, drunken mayhem. Yeah. Uh, I was drunk and he was mayhem. No, uh, and next year it's going to be in Cincinnati. June uh, 19th or something like that. At least it's in June. Get yourself, if you're listening, get yourself to Cincinnati in June 2008. ASAP. Make yourself a hotel reservation. Get your butt there. You can have a great time. Uh, it is worth every penny. And bring beer. And bring beer. Yes, absolutely. It is fantastic. Okay. All right. So today we're talking about English barley wine. Yes, we are. Give us give us a rundown on the uh, style there, John. Well, be prepared to be knocked on your ass when you drink an English barley wine, if you drink a whole pint of it. Um, the aroma of this beer is very rich in caramel, malt aroma, uh, some medium fruitiness coming from the esters from usually an English yeast or a British yeast strain or Burton yeast. Um, in the aroma, you might get some hints of toffee, toasty, or breadiness coming through. And if it's aged, probably a year or two more, you might get some sherry notes from port-like going on. Um, it's usually a result from the oxidation going on. Um, as far as visually, the color, rich gold to dark amber, maybe some brownish hues coming through or ruby highlights. Um, some cloudiness is acceptable just because it's high-gravity beer, there might be some protein haze going on, um, but that will go away over time if you let it warm up. And if you do let it warm up, you're definitely going to get um, a clearer beer because the protein haze will settle out. Um, low head retention due to high alcohol and maybe some possible legs on the glass as you drink it. Uh, the overall flavor, strong, intense maltiness going on. It's just an over-the-top English pale ale. It's malty. Um, you might get some breadiness, some biscuitiness, 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 um, some nutty or toasty, um, maybe some dark caramel, and um, maybe some hints of molasses going on. Um, it's a highly sweet beer. Oxidation, you know, you, it's okay. It's a over top beer; it can handle the oxidation. It needs age, and I always get like a plum character, a dried fruit character going on. It's just, especially as they age, oxidation get kind of plums in the nose. And overall, it's just over-the-top English pale, and 8 to 12%, and it'll warm you up. Great. After the break, we will get into the uh, recipe on how to brew a great award-winning English barley wine. Always had a roof above me, always paid the rent, and I never set foot inside a tent. 
This fall, the most anticipated book in home brewing will be available from just one place. Uh, no, did you can get it in a lot of places. Well, the most anticipated book in home brewing will be available for pre-order from only one place. That's not true either. All right, smarty pants, but only one place will have it signed. Oh, that's cool. TheBrewingNetwork.com offers brewing classic styles by Jamil Zanishev, the most awarded homebrewer in history, and homebrewing expert John Palmer. Available now for pre-order from the Brewing Network store, signed by Jamil himself. It's every BJCP style. Every recipe is extract and all grain. Every single one has won awards. Every style has some tips on how you brew the beer, what to focus on, what the key parts are of brewing and extract version of the style. Available this fall, Brewing Classic Styles. Pre-order your copy today. Visit thebrewingnetwork.com for more details. This is The Jameel Show. All right, we're back. Me and my uh, nipple pinching buddy John, please say, or sh- or uh, shoe polishing chicken fanatic. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> you like that? Tourette's. <laughs> John's got Tourette's. Yeah. <laughs> that threw you for a whirl. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, English barley wine. So, uh, you know, one of the things about English barley wine is, uh, yeah, turning on my mic helps, right? Yeah. Uh, or turn the volume up. Cool. English barley wines are what? <laughs> one of the things about, uh, English barley wines is that it's actually fairly straightforward to brew. It could be anywhere from, you know, uh, 8%, 12% alcohol beer, color like 8 to 22, 35 to 70 IBUs. The, uh, you don't want to go over the top on a lot of character malts. I think an English barley wine, like you were saying, is you know it's got a biscuity, it's got a malty, it's got some sweetness. Uh, you know, it's fairly balanced. It's not excessively hoppy like an American uh, barley wine. American right. barley wine is punched through with a hard bitterness right. and some hop character. English bar- barley wine tends not to have a lot of hop character, late hop character, you know, flavor and aroma. And bitterness tends to just balance and make it, you know, as drinkable as possible. Mm-hmm. It balances towards the sweet, but, uh, you know, not cloyingly sweet, but not uh, excessively bitter. For uh, the, and for some reason in the book I named this uh, Hard and Hardy. I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking at that Sounds time. Sounds like the new comic for the TVN. Yeah, hard and Hardy. Uh, uh, well, you know, at one time I had this... Uh, Experience where I got to taste a vertical tasting uh, with my friend David Teckham. He had a vertical tasting of Thomas Hardy's ales, and he had everything from like uh, 1990 through 2000. And uh, I got to taste like 10 years of Thomas Hardy's. Wow, that was really cool. How they how they compare over each year? Uh, some of them were great, some of them were terrible. Okay, fair enough. But I had, you know, just before that, I read an article by Michael Jackson where he was invited to this vertical tasting of Thomas Hardy's of 10 years. And, uh, you know, it's not available to anyone in the world. And if you put a price on it, it was like, you know, uh, like a $10,000 tasting. And, and I was thinking to myself, you know, uh, you know, I would never, ever in my lifetime 
get to try something like that. That's, you know, this is never going to happen. And then, like, the next month, my, my friend uh, David Teckham uh, said, Hey, you know, I got this tasting of Thomas Hardy's I've been saving for 10 years. And you're like, Okay, I'm in. Okay, here we go. <laughs> He's, and you bought an RV and you saved 10 grand. Exactly. Cool. Uh, all right. So for uh, English barley wine, for making uh, six gallons, and you're gonna you're gonna boil, you're gonna have six finished gallons at the end of the boil. You're gonna transfer five and a half to your fermenter, and at the end of fermentation, you're gonna end up with five U.S. gallons in your keg. Okay. All right. We're gonna target an original gravity of one point one hundred, or twenty three point eight Plato. Woo. Big beer. Final gravity is gonna be around ten twenty four or six Plato. Your uh, apparent degree of fermentation is going to be about uh, uh, 75%, 63 IBU, 15 SRM, 10.2% alcohol by volume. And uh, for your extract brewers, you're going to go with 15.5 pounds or 7 kilograms of uh, English pale ale liquid malt extract. It's very important to use an English pale ale extract. Or, if you're an all-grain brewer, you're going to use uh, 21.5 pounds or 9.75 kilograms of a British pale ale malt. And why is it important, John? Well, it's, one is English beer. Yeah. But I think you need the base malt to when you boil it to get those English flavors, those toasty flavors, mm-hmm. those biscuit flavors mm-hmm. coming through. Absolutely. Which Maris Hunter provides. Absolutely. That British pale, you know, the, the, the slightly darker kiln, when you go with the uh, domestic pale ale malt, it's kilned around 2.5 Lovabond. Right. You go with a British crisp Maris Otter or, you know, a Maris Otter floor malted and a British pale ale malt, you get up words of uh, 4 Lovabond, 4.5 Lovabond. Okay. Makes a difference. Is the English pale extract also called English light? Yes. That's the same thing? Yes. Does it have other names at other places? Or is it? I mean, can you just? I would, I, English light. Because I've only, I've never seen anything say English pale ale. I've seen English light. English light is, or ultra light is two row. So okay. it's, it's all English light. All right. So uh, yeah, if you're if you're an all grain brewer, you're going to mash that at 150, 150 degrees Fahrenheit or 66 degrees C. So you're definitely drying it out with a lower mash temp. A little bit more. Yeah, you know, it's such a big uh, grain bill. Right. And your starting gravity is uh, 1.1. Yeah. Uh, you need something fairly fermentable in order to dry it out enough mm-hmm. uh, to not be too cloying. Mm-hmm. You want it sweet, but you don't want it, you know, hugely sweet. You don't want it cloying. Mm-hmm. You want it drinkable. All English beers should be quite drinkable, no matter how big or small. Mm-hmm. They should be, you know, an enjoyable pint. Okay. And uh, Even a barley wine. Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> okay. I had to ask. <laughs> I had to ask. Because that's one pint I'm done. I'm sleeping on the bar or whatever. Right. Okay. Maybe you go with 10 ounces. Okay, 10 ounces. Cool. All right. So for your, your specialty cranes, <laughs> they're like the wheel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and my signature, I, I think I need a T-shirt. I'm, I'm going to sample that, by the way. Every Here's the thing. Every broadcaster has to have a thing. And that's <laughs> I have thing. a thing. You have, that's your thing. I'm the biscuit. I got a big He's thing. He's well. That's great. That's awesome. You're officially a broadcaster. Jamil, <laughs> we're going to do Contamination 3 together. <laughs> okay. Dead serious. Wheel. Okay. Look out. Look out. Uh, uh, okay. so, so your your specialty grains here for uh, <coughs> either uh, extract or all grain, you're going to go with uh, some Care Munich at 60 level one. I like the Care Munich actually in this. Not uh, the regular crystal, but the Care Munich. 10 ounces or 284 grams. 
Go with Crystal 120, <laughs> uh, Love a Bond, uh, 10 ounces, 284 grams. And what that's going to give you is some of those uh, raisiny flavors, those fig flavors, plum, plum flavors. Once they oxidize, right. you get some of that plum fig uh, from that Crystal 120. Mm-hmm. The Caramunic Munich as well kind of lends into that, but also lends a little bit of a uh, uh, caramel sweetness, a okay. caramel background. Uh, it's not a whole lot, you know. Ten ounces. It's not even, uh, you know, three quarters of a pound. Right. Uh, but it's enough to give that background. Again, if you if you go too much on these on these specialty grains, it can become quite cloying. Okay. And you really uh, want something that you can drink without having too much residual sweetness. Right. Some sweetness, okay, but it needs to drink clean, finish. Uh, uh, without leaving a lot of coating on your tongue. But it's definitely giving you that malt flavor, those right. interesting malt flavors, yes. and a little bit of color. Right. Okay. And one of the things you can do also on this is, uh, you know, this is, I've got this set up in the book for a 60-minute boil. That's but, it? Really? Yeah. And, and, and that's fine. But if you want to, you can actually, let's say, double uh, the length of the boil if you want. And what this will do for you, uh, you know, increase your pre-boil volume. Just run, you know, your mash a, a little longer, your sparge a little longer, mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, add a little more water, you know, to your extract. And, uh, you know, you can double your boil time, triple your boil time. You want to boil three hours? Fine. Yeah. As long as your hop additions are done at the last 60 minutes. You You're don't want to okay. hop at, you know, three hours and boil for three hours because it's too it, bitter. Yeah, yeah, well, it's supposed to extract a really harsh, uh, biting bitterness. Oh, okay. Hmm. See, Mike, I think you ought to jump on the microphone there. Yeah, yeah, he's, I've had his barley wine. It's yeah, pretty absolutely. good. Absolutely, you know. And and so, uh, uh, but what you'll gain from doing this longer boil hmm. is you'll develop some melanoidins. All right, melanoidins are the things that make the difference between you know. Uh, there's a slice of bread, and there's a, and once you toast it, there's a slice of toast. What what tastes different on toast than bread? It's the melanoidin formation. It's that that toasted uh, starches and. It's cooked sugar, right? Or, right, uh, and, or and starches with moisture and uh, you know uh, varying degrees of temperature and moisture and proteins and uh, starches, okay. uh, amino acids, and those that flavor development uh, you'll also get in the beer. Now it won't be uh, you know necessarily toasted, but uh, it's a very complex uh, set of flavors. Mm-hmm. And it, if you get that in in your barley wine, that actually uh, really develops a nice broad, uh, what we might call malt uh, characteristic right. for it, and it really can uh, fill out fill out the base of that. Is it beer. over the top in the beginning as the beer's aging, or does it? Do you want to taste it later on to really appreciate yeah, it? Yeah, this beer, any beer this big, uh-huh. uh, will be a little over the top to start with. Right. And all these beers, and especially if you're going to do this extended boil, uh, some aging time will really make a, a, a difference. In the final beer, sure. it, it really, really does tend to clean it up. And you bit. almost, you have to age this beer just for it to mellow out because it's so high in right. sweetness, sugar, maltiness, all this crazy stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, what a minimum six months would you say? Or oh, yeah, minimum six months. Uh, you know, a year, two years uh, would be even better. Better. I, I would. Uh, you know, it's, the funny thing is, on the small beers, you want to brew. You know, less of them. Drink them quicker, generally. On the big beers, you want to brew as much as you possibly can. And the reason is because you want to store it, and the temptation to sample it is there every day. Oh, yeah. So you want to brew enough that you can sample it you know, every so often, 
and still have some, you know, two, three years down the line. Right. And that's really when some of these beers come into kind of like a magic period. You know, you you won't have tasted it for a month or a couple of months, and you go back and you taste it, yeah. and all of well, a sudden it's like, oh my god, yeah, you know, something happened. <laughs> you know, why is this so good? Yeah, and uh, you know, aging is a, is a big part of that. I've always wanted to bury a barley wine in my fermenter, just bury it like ten feet on the ground, and come back to it later. <laughs> I just think that cool lagering process, yeah. you know, would be awesome. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're not with me? I can think of a lot yeah. of things to bury. <laughs> Myself. <laughs> but I've never thought I've never thought of uh, burying a fermenter. That's actually pretty good. You know, it's kind of like the kimchi beer, you know. <laughs> you know. They bury it in the crock pots and yeah. uh, dig them up like a year later. And, yeah. You know, it's a, and that's a fermentation process as well. Well, there you go. And again, the, the temperature of the ground and all that plays a big... That's actually a pretty good idea. If you don't have a, a cool spot in your house to store these... I think that's an excellent idea. I think, uh, you know, uh, the, the temperature of the ground really, uh, is, is constant. That's a whole geothermal thing where yeah. you're, uh, where you bury those pipes under the ground and use it to cool your house and heat your house because the ground stays nice and constant. See, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> get yourself a backhoe. Now I know, I know you can't afford a refrigerator, you guys, but get yourself a backhoe instead. Uh-huh. <laughs> dig, dig a 20 foot trench in your backyard. <laughs> By hand. Hide it from your wife. <laughs> Between the hours of 10 and 4. 10 and 4. In the morning. Yeah. When your wife's at work and you're at home drinking like usual. Mm. Pretty much what I do. But uh, let's see here. All right, so let's go back to the recipe. Hops. Uh, on this, I like to use a Horizon hop. You could use a Challenger or any you know English uh, hop uh, would be fine. I like Horizon because it's a very clean, high alpha hop. So you don't have a lot of hop matter. You don't have a lot a lot of hop character coming through to mm-hmm. the finished beer from that. I use Horizon at 13% alpha acid. At 60 minutes, I'll put in 1.4 ounce or 40 grams. That's going to give me almost 60 IBUs right there. I'll mm-hmm. put in. Uh, uh, and these are all pellets. I'll put in uh, some Kent Goldings at 5% alpha acid. At 20 minutes, I'll add 0.6 ounce or 17 grams. That's going to give me 3.3% alpha acid or IBUs on uh, using heat breaker formula. And I'll finish going over the hops after this break. It's okay, uh, I'm out of beer anyways, so. Yeah, we'll, we'll stop for a beer break and yeah. Justin will figure out what's going on with the board. It's all good. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sean O'Sullivan, the brewmaster and co-founder of the 21st Amendment Brewery and Restaurant in San Francisco. Six years ago, Nico Frecci and I opened the 21st Amendment on 2nd Street with the intent of bringing back the local neighborhood brew pub. Well, the neighborhood has really changed over the years, but the 21st Amendment still remains a great place for people to meet over a terrific meal and a tasty pint of beer. In the past, the only way you could enjoy the 21st Amendment's handcrafted beers was at the brew pub. Well, all that has changed. Now, the 21st Amendment beers are available in cans. That's right, cans. When was the last time you had a great beer in a can? Well, that day has come. We're offering our world-famous Watermelon Wheat and 21A IPA in cans. Cans are a better package than glass because cans keep the beer fresher, longer, but you can also take cans to places where bottles can't go, like the beach, lake, golf courses, and sporting events. So join us in the revolution to take back the can from the big breweries and crack open a cold 21A craft beer in a can. The 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giant. Park. 
This year, the Great American Beer Festival will last for three days, have more than 40,000 visitors, more than 380 breweries, more than 1,600 beers, but only one lucky listener will be going for free. Beer, beer, and more beer. The Brewers Association, White Labs, and the Brewing Network are sending you on the beer trip of the year. Airfare, hotel, all festival sessions for free. Brought to you by the Brewers Association, White Labs, Beer, Beer, and More Beer, and the BN. Visit thebrewingnetwork.com for more details. Now, back to the Jameel Show. All right, we're back. We're talking about... <laughs> you like my shades? Yes, I do. Those I was feeling a little James Brown, all right? I know. I, I feel good. Yeah. I, saw, I saw the cape and the... Uh, <laughs> And you started to sweat there, so you yeah. look very. Have James you ever Brown. seen James Brown dance? I'm yeah. going to show you. <laughs> he goes, and he just goes shakes, and he goes like this the whole fucking time. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, in your English barley wines, <sighs> this is this is the danger of having beer on this show. I think it uh, really it changes the whole whole complexity. All right, so I was going over the Kent Golings before I was so rudely interrupted. Uh, at 5% My alpha apologies. acid, uh, pellet hops, uh, 20 minutes, uh, add uh, 0.6 ounce or 17 grams. And at zero minutes at, at flame out, you're going to add another 0.6 ounce or 17 grams. That's not a lot of hops. It's just to give you a little background character in there. You don't want to go over the top on the hops on an English IPA. It makes it not like an English IPA. And, and the hops that we have here... If you taste this, you know, right out of the fermenter, yeah, you're going to get a little more hops. This is just to leave a trace six months or a year or two years down the line. Hmm. Just a trace. Just a trace. That's all you want. That's all I want. A trace. A trace. Now, Horizons, is that a clone of another hop or is that an American hop? I mean, I know it's really smooth. It's an American hop. It's American. Okay. But you're you're using it for clean bitterness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you could use a uh, an English uh, hop like Challenger or one of those others. Uh, but I like it because uh, at thirteen percent alpha acid, you can get some serious bittering with you know very little hop load. So right. cost goes down, and uh, all the hop matter goes down. So you don't have a lot of vegetal. You don't have a lot of carryover of the flavor through there. One of the things when you bitter with a uh, low alpha acid hop. What happens is, uh, you know, and, and you're trying to do a lot of bittering, you're trying to get to 60 IBUs or whatever with a 4% alpha acid hop, mm-hmm. the flavor of those hops are going to come through in the uh, flavor and the aroma. You're going to okay. get, get some traces of those because you're adding fresh beers are like that. They use uh, whatever hop, and then, you know, it comes through. Right. And you have to be very careful picking that. Okay. When you go with a high alpha acid, high alpha acid very neutral hop like Horizon, you're not going to get uh, so much flavor through because right. you're, you're putting a minimal amount. But your goal is to balance the sweetness. Right. If, if you were to, to bitter with something like Kent Golding's, I would not add the flavor and aroma additions on this. You're just 100% Kent Golding's bittering. Bittering, yeah. Mm-hmm. And th- and it'll come through, trust me. Okay. You'll you'll taste Kent Golding's. Be like a pound or something. <laughs> yeah, three. <laughs> four pounds. <laughs> four pounds. <laughs> you probably pack the kettle with it and <laughs> yeah. then pour the liquid on top. Oh, cool. Uh, for yeast, I like the uh, either the Y-Yeast 1028 London Ale or the White Labs WLP 013 London Ale. Huh. 
or Dan Star Nottingham if you got to use a dry yeast. Dry yeast is just okay in a barley wine, uh, and it's one way to get your pitching rate up enough yeah. to do do a beer like this. These yeasts, you, you want to pick an English ale yeast because you need that ester profile, that English character, and a lot of it is uh, based on the yeast and, and also the malt and the biscuity. But you need one that will attenuate more. Some of these yeasts, uh, you know, if you go with some of the less attenuated yeast, your your barley wine's going to end up uh, a little too sweet. Okay. And if you're, if you're going to use one of those yeasts, that's fine. If you want to use like a... Uh, WPO2 or something like that in English ale yeast that attenuates less. It'd just be too cloying. Uh, you know, go with a lower mash temperature or if you're an extract brewer, you know, add some, uh, you know, corn sugar. Right. You're gonna have to add some sugar in order to thin the beer out enough so that, uh, it ferments, you get enough attenuation. It Do doesn't you, finish too sweet. Do you recommend adding sugar no matter what? Uh, not in this. If you're gonna go with this yeast and this recipe, you're okay. You're okay, okay. But, uh, if it's not finishing dry enough and you ever rebrew it, you right. know, definitely add, replace, not, not add, I, I should never use the word add with the corn sugar because people assume that means add more on top of everything else. No. Take away malt extract, throw in an equivalent amount of, uh, corn sugar. There you go. For point per point for, for gravity. And the purpose is to dry it out more. Yeah, let it ferment out, be more fermentable and let it dry out. Mm. And uh, and you could use actually uh, plain table mm-hmm. sugar. And the, one of the advantages of corn sugar mm-hmm. is that it dissolves very easily. Right. So you throw that in and it dissolves right away. Right. Uh, cane sugar is is you know a little more granular. It takes uh, it's a harder thing to uh, get to uh, dissolve. Uh, one question that people have sometimes is you know all right so I want this thing to dry I'll just add champagne yeast to it. Right. And that's secondary usually, right? Right, and uh, yeah, that can that can dry it out some more. And if you're really stuck, I suppose you could do that. I prefer to really, uh, being the purist that I am, one yeast, one beer. <laughs> yes, except okay uh, in certain times. Okay. Now, uh, and um, you know, I wouldn't use champagne yeast to start with because uh, it's going to have a different flavor profile, and you really are not going to end up with, uh, you know, what you want. But when you're, you're trying to knock out those last few points, yeah, you can toss in some champagne yeast if you had to. But uh, I think ideally, you know, uh, go with the more attenuative uh, English ale yeast to knock down, you know, the, the majority of your, your uh, points there. And then and then if you need to, you could, you could do something else. What do you think about bottle conditioning with a champagne yeast? And would you bottle condition a barley wine? Uh, you know, I don't bottle condition anything. Okay. Uh, the danger on champagne yeast is it will attenuate uh, further. Well, and one of the reasons people use a- uh, champagne yeast is that uh, it'll handle, you know, a very high uh, percentage of alcohol. I think it's 18. Right? Well, 20. you know, your average ale yeast, when it's healthy, right. it, they'll all do 15% alcohol. Right. And this is 10%. Okay. So... Why add more yeast? We don't need right. Any. Yeah, you know. Uh, so, um, anyways, uh, yeah. If you're gonna bottle, uh, what you, what you could do uh, for this beer, I would let it sit for uh, you know a month or two, uh, cool temperatures. Let that thing finish out, and then uh, when you bottle, there's no yeast. You're gonna add back about a uh, you know for a five gallon batch. 
to bottle with yeast, you're going to add uh, half a tube of White Labs or half of an XL pack of Y yeast to a five-gallon batch to get your proper yeast count for, for bottling. Okay. Only uh, half. Yeah. Okay. You could add uh, double that, but you're going to get a little more yeast flavor in there in the long run. Mm-hmm. But all it takes is half. That's about the same cell count that Sierra Nevada uses when they bottle their beers. Huh. That's a great tip. Yeah. Why not? Um, all right. So fermentation. Uh, to ferment this beer, you're going to pitch, mm, you know, 18, 20 grams of uh, a properly rehydrated dry yeast, or it's going to take you about four liquid yeast packages. Or, you know, make a starter with one with one package or repitch off another batch. Four vials. Yeah. <laughs> I like to I like to uh, uh, ferment this at about sixty eight degrees or Fahrenheit or twenty degrees C to start. And I slowly uh, raise the temperature up to uh, about seventy degrees Fahrenheit or twenty one degrees C for the last let's say one third of fermentation. Mm. And the reason on this is uh, those English yeasts tend to produce a bit more diacetyl. Right. And especially you get a fairly warm temperature uh, and a big beer like this, you can end up with a bit of a buttery. Mm-hmm. And it's important to get rid of the majority of that at least. Yeah, a little trace is okay, but and warming it up at that end uh, will help uh, the yeast uh, reclaim some of that diacetyl. What, what's the length of time you're actually primering this beer before you do a derest? Is it three, four weeks? Uh, you know, it, if you pitch a proper amount of healthy yeast to start, mm-hmm. what's going to happen is um, you'll go, you know, uh, your normal beers will be done generally in three to five days. This will be done maybe in ten days. You know, not a problem. Ten days, terminal gravity, you're done. Uh, it should be pretty close. And then, you know, I like to leave it uh, uh, for an extra four days. So... I, I generally give it uh, two two full weeks okay. on a beer like this, okay. and I you know I'm not afraid to to let that sit on the yeast an extra few days, and uh, let it clean up uh, a lot of the uh, you know stray things and kind of kind of start to mature a bit. I brewed a high gravity Doppelbach and I let it go seven weeks in the primary. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a lager, but so you're, for an ale, three weeks maybe would be okay. Would you be safe as a home brewer? Oh sure, okay, you'd be safe half uh, the time, a month, a month. Yeah, you know, as long and the caveat is, as long as your yeast was healthy to start with, you know, you pitch okay. a proper amount of healthy yeast to start with, right. proper conditions, uh, you know, the yeast is fairly resilient, and you won't end up with any off flavors. Okay, yeah, you know, that that huge rush, hmm. you know, when I was first uh, learning to to homebrew, you know, everyone's like, well, at seven days, it's done, and you must transfer it to another container. To get it off that yeast, because the yeast is dying, and it's coughing up all these horrible flavors in your beer, and your beer will taste like burnt rubber. Oh, God. Okay, okay, okay. okay. And instead, my beers taste like green apple. Right. They, they haven't gone Doesn't through the whole cycle exactly. yet. Exactly. Yeah. They see the acetylaldehyde. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You're like, well, I think I'll go an extra week. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, well, it tastes like green apple. Thanks. Like, uh, yeah, I followed the instructions. It's like, well, I started learning a bit about uh, you know how, how fermentation progresses. Mm. And I realized, okay, well, one, I wasn't pitching enough uh, clean, healthy yeast. Right. Two, I wasn't letting it have enough time, even if I wasn't pitching enough clean, healthy yeast, to kind of clean up some of those things that it could have cleaned up right. and been been a better beer. Right. Well, some beers you you can actually get away with. With this beer, you need a lot of clean, healthy yeast to oh, yeah. survive and right, right, make right. a great beer. Absolutely. Mm. I think so. 
we talking about hops at all, or do we have any chat? We cover, we're covering hops. hops. You've been drinking. I have, I know. Yeah, um, we got some and questions from the chat yeah. room. There's uh, two people in the chat room right now, isn't there? Is that no, you guys are doing good tonight. One people like the new time slot. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, there's a load of people in there. Which, by the way, is every other Monday at 7 p.m. I haven't changed the close of the show yet, so that information is wrong. Every other Monday, 7 p.m., You get uh, that's when the show starts. Okay, there are questions from the chat. Um, what is the difference in U.S. Goldings and Kent Goldings hops? Do you know? One's probably grown in the U.S. and one's probably grown in Kent, England. <laughs> you think the strain's the same? It's not a you don't find using one or the other. Well, even if the strain was the same, uh, it's going to be totally different. Okay. So, uh, what happens on hops is the growing conditions, the soil, the pH of the soil, the mineral balance, the amount of water, the sun, the angle of the sun. Uh, you know, everything else where it's been growing makes a difference in the flavor of the hops and the, the character of the hops. So if you can, try and get uh, Golding's hops from uh, Kent. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be East Kent, but uh, from Kent. Okay. Um, lowest fermentation temperature possible for this beer? I know it's an odd question, but it was in there. Um, Depends on the yeast. Well, yeah, if you... Uh, Hmm. You know, I'm tempted to say as long as the yeast is kicking, that's fine. But uh, you really, you don't want it too cool because you're going to, you want it cool enough that you restrict the the hotter alcohols. You, this yeah. should never, ever, ever, ever be a hot beer. The alcohol, you should drink it and then feel warm. And that's it. You should never taste alcohol or have a hot alcohol. Okay. If you go too cool, uh, you're not going to produce enough esters, If you, and you may have trouble finishing out the gravity. So, uh, you know, 65, 64, I, you know, try and, try and get it up. Every, every brewer should really try and get it up. What do you think about using a lager yeast? Just for kicks? Um, no? It would taste like a uh, lager. Okay. Uh, would be English. Yeah. Okay. okay. In your recipe, what does, uh, why care Munich? Instead of regular Munich, or I mean, instead of regular uh, Crystal Sixty, I guess yeah. The Cara Munich has a little more of a um, uh, fruity malt character. Yeah, maybe. If you taste it raw, it, yeah, right. I can taste right. like a sweet yeah, fruit it's, character. It's maybe it may be a little fruitier. Hmm. Yeah, that, that might be a good point. Uh, Whew, more like close. more like um, more like a like a like a raisin bread or a sweet bread of some kind, kind of. You know, it's got that. It's a bread. different. It's a different character than regular crystal malt. Okay. Uh, what does the carapils do? There is no carapils in this in this beer. Oh, well, I don't know why they're asking that then. Right. I don't use carapils. Is it you that uses carapils all the time in everything, Johnny P? He uses it when he is carafoam and loggers. Your carafoam guy, yeah. not carapils oh. guy. He likes McDoles because he likes guy. the head. That's right. Head's good for you. Okay, and last question. I think this has to do with the aging. Uh, they want to know, uh, do perceived aromatic and, and bittering hops degrade at the same rate? Or will one, you know, will the bitterness kind of fall away faster than the aromatic or vice versa? That's a good question. Uh, you know, bittering drops actually quite rapidly from... Uh, uh, from finished beer in six months, it's something like uh, you know, like a quarter of the IBUs. Or I, uh, I saw a paper on it, and and I I was a little surprised, and then I, 
you know, matched up some of my experiences and like, yep, you know, bittering drops off rapidly. Uh, and some of the flavor and aroma will hang around for about a year and then it like drops, there's a point where the, the flavor and aroma drops off a cliff. Whereas bittering tends to be more of a linear progression. Okay. And, uh, so there is a difference, but they, they, they all tend to degrade over time, yeah. Okay. What oh, about, wait, no, I had one more question. Where did that go? Oh, uh, when you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, getting the gravity down, at, you know, at the end there, mm-hmm. um, somebody asked about using invert sugar. Yeah, th- you know, I would not bother with invert sugar. Okay, the thing about invert sugar is it is um, a little easier for yeast to ferment. Okay, but yeast produce their own invertase. So this enzyme that inverts the sugar and... Uh, uh, you know, there is no, you know, pe- some people, um, you know, a long time ago, this home, homebrew shop owner told me that uh, invert sugar was like, uh, you know, the special sugar that did all sorts of, you know, magical things. <laughs> and it was just the most bizarre crap. And I was a new homebrew, and I knew that this was not true. So uh, invert sugar, it's not worth the money. You know, the yeast, if you, give, if you want, uh, uh, you know, the... Uh, yeast to easily be able to ferment a sugar, just go ahead and use table sugar. It's fine. They really won't have any problem coming up with the enzyme to invert the sugar themselves uh, before they ferment it. So uh, just use regular table sugar. Save your money on, on the invert sugar. Save yourself the time of uh, doing the acid thing and the, the thing to invert the sugar yourself. Okay. So great questions, everybody. That's what I had. And I, we haven't mentioned this in a while, so I just want to mention, if you're an archive listener and you want to ask questions too, you can always tune into the live show. You just hit the chat now button right on the brewingnetwork.com. There's a whole bunch of people in there hanging out and listening, and you too can ask your questions to Jamil right uh, during the show. That's how you do it. That's where we're getting these from. Yeah, and we're going to be back in uh, about a month, four weeks. A month, four weeks. And we're going to cover wood age beers, and we're going to cover... Uh, to be announced. No, I knew what it was. I actually wood looked aged. it up this time. But the first one is wood aged beers, and uh, it's it's not uh, sweet stout is the other yeah, one. Yeah, sweet stout. Wood aged yeah. beers so and two, sweet two really stout. good beers, two really good shows, and and the wood aged beer show. It's not going to be here's a recipe about wood aged beer. How it's going to teach you everything you need to know about using like you know oak cubes or dust or you know shavings or barrels or staves or whatever so you're going to actually learn everything you need to know about wood aging any beer you want right on so it's like a you know whole class on that versus just a, a single recipe about soaking the wood in like bar- bourbon or something the oak can sure that sounds good absolutely cool yeah Okay, and that also reminds me that I gave the wrong information in the last archive. This show does not air live every other Monday. It's one Monday a month, and I am going to make Jamil send me a schedule of the Mondays, because if I say I'll do it, I won't. So, Jamil, send me a schedule. I'll post it in the forum so that uh, we know the Mondays and that you guys will know when you can tune in live. Right. But it's one Monday a month at 7. It's right. usually the first Monday of the month. Right, pretty pretty much that. And then the the archives come out uh, every two weeks. Right. So, uh, but if you're if you're listening live, you get to hear you know a joyous two hours of yes. uh, prattle from uh, me and my good buddy John Plisse, California Home Brewer of the Year and 2007 Encasi Award winner Jamil Sainashin. <laughs> there you go. All right, so stay tuned to the Brewing Network for details on how to win a free trip to the GABF. It includes like you know airfare, all your sessions. Beer. Whole thing, absolutely Hotel. incredible. So you listen to the Sunday show, and you'll learn how to uh, to win that trip to the GABF. 
shirts, B- Brewing Network shirts, the uh, BN Army and all that, are, and uh, the book uh, Brewing Classic Styles is available in the Brewing Network store now. And you want to buy it from the Brewing Network because it supports programming like this. This is like PBS. It is. <laughs> but it's true, though. It's true. It, you know, it makes a big difference to the Brewing Network if you you purchase it from from there. It's a couple of bucks, you know, maybe, you know, it's, it's uh, you, you might be able to save a couple of bucks somewhere. But, uh, you know, hey, you're, you're helping this show be on the air, and uh, you're helping the Sunday show be on the air, and Lunch Meet be on the air, and all the other good stuff that Justin does by purchasing from the Brewing Network. Uh, so it's www.thebrewingnetwork.com. And up next, uh, what do you got? I am going to replay the Finishing Beer Show with Colin Kaminsky. They'll be playing next. Nice. Sweet. Yeah, it's a good show. We did it live from downtown Joe's. And you have about a minute to recap the recipe. Uh, let's see. Okay, so extra pure Ings Pale Ale uh, liquid malt extract, uh, 15.5 pounds or 7 kilograms. If you're a, a all-grain brewer, you're going to use... Uh, 21.5 pounds of British Pale Ale malt, or 9.75 kilograms. Mash at 150 degrees, or 66 degrees C. Uh, Care Munich, 60 love, 10 ounce to it, 284 grams. Crystal malt, uh, 120 love, 10 ounce, or 284 grams. Horizon hops, uh, 1.4 ounce at 40 grams at 60 minutes. Kent Goldings, 20 minutes, 0.6 ounce, 17 grams, and uh, 0 minutes, uh, 0.6 ounce, 17 grams. Uh, White Labs, uh, WLP 013 London Ale, or Y-Yeast 1028 London Ale. And uh, ferment around uh, 68 degrees, raise it to 70 during the last third. The Jamil Show has been a production of The Brewing Network. Please send questions for Jamil to jamil at thebrewingnetwork.com. 